0: And on this land and on this land oh my home i call my home
1: the 237th episode of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Elizabeth McKerwitz, a sometimes producer for Ear to the Ground and staff member of the Land Stewardship Project's membership program, and I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. Why am I announcing my pronouns and those of my guests? In short, out of respect for gender diversity please visit mypronouns.org to learn more. In this episode of Ear to the Ground, I'm taking us back to warmer times. A gorgeous late August weekend in the hills of northeast Iowa, on farmland cooperatively stewarded by Hannah Breckbill and Emily Fagan. These 40 acres are special for a number of reasons, not least of which are the events of this particular weekend in late August. Maybe you heard from Hannah in episode 227 of Ear to the Ground, talking about community-led efforts that went into transforming 22 acres of land destined for a CAFO into a worker-owned, cooperative, diversified farm in Decorah, Iowa. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, let me fill you in. Since arriving to this land three years ago, Hannah and Emily have been working to grow vegetables, livestock, a burgeoning orchard, and community. 100% of Humble Hands harvest produce stays in the local community. The two invite residents from Decorah and the surrounding area to attend monthly workdays and potlucks during the growing season to learn more about the land that nourishes them. It's the kind of community where neighbors stop by to check in and say hello, where someone is always available to help chase down an errant sheep, and where opportunities for singing are abundant. It's the kind of community Hannah always dreamt of, yet she still felt something was missing inextricable from Hannah's identity as a community-minded sustainable farmer is her queerness. While she felt held and affirmed by her community and other aspects of her identity, she didn't feel the same sense of camaraderie about around being queer. She craved the kind of queer community found in big cities, but sorely lacking in rural areas. And it turns out she wasn't the only one. In this episode you'll hear from Hannah, who uses she her pronouns, and the four other organizers of the Queer Farmer Convergence. Jack Whipler, or Jacqueline, uses she-they pronouns and is a sociology PhD candidate at UW-Madison researching lesbian and queer sustainable farmers in the Midwest. Ren Olive uses they-them pronouns and is passionate about supporting farmers and making sustainable, radical change in the food system. Ren currently works with the University of Minnesota Extension Regional Sustainable Development Partnership. Archer Meyer uses they-them pronouns and is a beginning farmer on the East Coast. Marlo Stein, who uses she-her pronouns, is also a beginning farmer on the East Coast. In the organizer's own words, the QFC is a gathering to build community among queer farmers and to reflect on and interrupt racist, capitalist, and heteropatriarchal legacies in U.S. agriculture. It also works to build community among queer farmers As an antidote to the isolation that many of us experience in our daily lives. Tune into this conversation with the organizers to learn more. The following audio was recorded on the original homelands of the Sauk, Misswaki, Lakota, and Ho-Chunk people. To learn more about the indigenous people who once stewarded your farmland or the land where you live, visit native-land.ca to visit an interactive map.
2: One time when I was just feeling um very lonely and very like yeah like like I have great community but it's not quite the right community or something anyway I was I was weeping about it to a friend on the phone and um, and she said Hannah what you need is is other queer farmers around you um, so we're gonna make this happen we're gonna get find other queer farmers um, for you to be around and uh yeah, so she made an Instagram page, and and kind of collected queer farmers, <laughs> and then and then we um, we made it happen, and Jack came came on board um, that first year and helped helped it happen, helped it get organized, and yeah, and so we just we just basically opened up this space, this farm, to um, to a weekend of, of kind of exploring what it means to be a queer farmer and, and exploring justice issues in the context of agriculture and queerness. Um, that was, yeah, that was the origin.
1: How did it feel? How did that first convergence feel for you, like, after it was done? It felt totally great. Um,
2: the It was... It was a very stressful uh, thing because it rained and was very cold the whole time. But um, the, like, warm, fuzzy feelings totally made up for it, you know? <laughs> the people, everyone was so game for the, for what the weather was throwing at us. And, and I thought you were just going to say, everyone was so gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why <I> talking about <laughs> <game. laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was um, yeah, it felt really good and um, in the lead up this year to this year's um, thing, we've been having a very like hard hitting summer work wise, we've just been like at it, and then we also were like preparing meals for 70 people or whatever, and um and so it, it was like, what? wait, this is insane. What are we doing? But just a couple of days ago, both Emily and I were like, wow, we're pretty badass for doing this <laughs> okay. thing. Um, so that also feels good to be like, wow,
1: we can do a really big thing like right here, you know, just with us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then a question for everyone. I really like the, mar- the question Marlo asked earlier about like how you see the intersection of queerness and farming. Um, It was a very fruitful conversation between my partner and I and I'm curious like what everyone, what all you organizers think about those two
0: things.
3: And farming have taught me an immense amount about having a body and being a human with a physical form in space. Um, farming, like, asks a certain amount of, like, being physically present and, like, showing up in your body because you need to lift something very heavy or you need to do this repetitive task of harvesting beans and just, like, really existing in that moment in your body. Um, and that's been a really powerful thing for me, also being, and, like, having a history of a really fraught relationship with my body at different points in my life. Um, But, like, farming as a way to feel really connected to my whole self and, like, to the environment around me and just, like, in a really grounding.
4: I would echo that. As a researcher, maybe I'd have a slightly different answer, but me as a human, Jack, there is farming and queerness have always been intricately tied together for me and so I went to the school where Animal House was based on so that was not necessarily the norm and once I started having that connection to the food that I was growing and eating that food that's when it it was like the world switched from black and white to color vision that I was like oh I'm a Jew <laughs> <laughs> and eight years later I'm yeah still researching queer farmers so um, there's a lot more I could say about all that research but for me personally mm-hmm queerness and farming entered my life at the same time because yeah. of this deep bodily embodied um, aspect that Archer spoke to.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, when I was reflecting on this question, um, a lot of the work I do in egg, I call myself farm support staff. I work for the University of Minnesota Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships on the Sustainable Egg and Food Systems team. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so when I think about queerness and farming, I think about like farming in the margins and making things work in a system that's broken. <laughs> um, and as a queer person, as a trans non-binary person, um, like there's something that's just like that it clicks into place when looking at our system and looking at sustainable egg um, and and making that change. Um, both like for me transitioning and for agriculture (laughs) Mm -hmm. pushing it, pushing the needle um, towards sustainable egg and I guess that's a whole other conversation about what is sustainable egg but Mm -hmm. um, I I think the two pair really well um, together like chocolate cookies and milk (laughs) yeah Um,
2: yeah I like thinking about queerness and agriculture is both <laughs> embodied um, and the one thing that I think about them um, is also in terms of relationship like farming is all about relationship and how you, how you relate to what's going on in the world around you and how you respond to it and how you um, harness it or, or slow it down or whatever you need to do um, to make it to, to work together with it well um and and queerness is about relationship and and um, finding finding ways to be in a relationship that might not be standard or might not be what's expected of you um, Yeah, so I, I think about I think about that a lot and then for some reason, for whatever reason it is, I'm constantly also thinking about climate change <laughs> and how, How the way we do agriculture has to shift Mm -hmm. into this Mm -hmm. more relational way and Mm -hmm. how um how queerness brings so much like expert yeah
1: do you want to say more about the expertise um
2: yeah let me think i I feel like i want to say like um So well, first of all, so much of the conversation about climate change is about, like, carbon emissions and, and, like, science stuff, Um, and it doesn't think about, or, like, we're we're too afraid to address the fact that climate change is caused by the way humans are relating to the world. Um, And, uh, and so, when I think about, yeah, when I think about, like, relationship like humans have been relating to the world in this way that is causing climate change for a long time um and uh and like it it desperately has to change and um and the people who are most practiced in like in like breaking open what it means to relate (laughs) are are queer people oftentimes um or, like, yeah, how to how to relate in ways that work well for for me and for my partner, which might be the earth or might be a person or whatever it is, mm-hmm. might be a piece of land. Yeah. I don't
3: know. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, I'm used to, like, verbally responding to, like, things that people say <laughs> as they're saying them. Mm-hmm. And, like, learning not to do that makes <laughs> the re- recording hard to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, yes, I agree with everything you guys are saying. is <laughs> all really exciting stuff. Um, I, yeah, keeping it really simple. I mean, what's your hope for the weekend? I guess either answer that question or maybe um, like how you came, like why did you decide to come help out with this event?
4: I met Hannah several years ago at a farming conference where I put up flyers that said seeking lesbian farmers in really big letters and underneath in smaller print said for sociological research and at the bottom had a little tear off with my number on it and Hannah called me and I ended up going to her farm in Minnesota and weeding for seven hours and getting one of the worst lower back sunburns I've ever had in my life (laughs) because that's what happens. Um, And at that point, I remember Hannah talking to me and saying, and it's a quote that I use in some of my papers, but it was very poignant of saying, um, my queer community is not my farming community, my farming community is not my queer community, along those lines, and really talking about how Hannah was working on, was working, uh, farming on a property owned by straight farmers, at Farmers Market with other straight farmers, so experiencing and that I was hearing over and over again as I was spending time and visiting people, So when Hannah talked about wanting to do this thing to bring queer farmers together, I was living in Australia at the time and was like, cool, hand up, I will help you. Um, Because, again, when I went to go spend time on farms, a lot of what the farmers were asking me was, well, who else do you know? And what do they do? And, oh, that's really interesting. Well, do you think maybe? And it was queer farmers so much wanting to have these connections with other people and have that sense of solidarity and have people that they can talk farming with really intensely but not getting maybe stuck up in those baseline like do you understand me do you see me are you going to be you know concerned about who my partners and partnerships may be and the polyamorous queer relationship i'm in that we can just like we can just talk farming and not be distracted Mm -hmm. so for Mm -hmm. me i wanted to support hannah's vision and i wanted other queer farmers like hannah who were deeply Wanting these connections to be able to have it. And basically, anything Hannah does, I kind of jump on board with, and we joke around (laughs) around about (laughs) how Hannah's the visioner, and then I get a little bit into the nitty gritty over planning details, but it seems to work out decently. Okay. (laughs) So that's how I got into it. And my hope is that just people get out of this weekend what they want, and I think some of that is putting in what they want as
1: well. Yeah. Mm okay
2: secret secret not secret anymore hope for the weekend is to find someone
0: <laughs> for our cooperative
1: <laughs> so can you talk about your cooperative mm-hmm. yeah
2: so um, uh, yeah Emily and I started farming together in 2017 and I um, uh we started as like very much a a business partnership we are also second cousins so we have like a little bit of family history we had met each other like five times before you know whatever um but uh yeah but it but in in the process of figuring out how to work together how to share a business together um it's it's really it's really fun it's it's very queer because we have to figure out a different way of relating than like conventional business models um, uh, so my goal in, in, um, in inviting Emily into the um, into the business was so that I wouldn't have to hire an employee I could I I'm like very willing to share um, responsibility and reward um, and um, so yeah I didn't want an employee I wanted a, a partner someone to be equally invested in that and Emily definitely was ready for that um, which is great and so the, so at this point we, the farm has kind of grown and we see a lot more potential for it um, but we definitely can't um, we can't do it without more people who are also willing to invest um, their time and like financial en- energy and all of that stuff. Um, so um, and vision. So that's that's what we're um, yeah, what we're excited about in the next few years is 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 kind of amassing those people to to be able to take this 22 acres to like where it can where it can go. Yeah
1: seeking farm farming partner Mm -hmm. either here at the conference or Or in podcast land um putting out the wishes
2: totally yeah we could use an orchardist we could use (laughs) we could use someone who's passionate about poultry we could use someone who um is really excited about on-farm food stuff you know
4: anything to plug the farm, there's a five year old child here to today that said, I love Iowa, I never want to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is a
1: magical place. I, Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> spring, summer, and fall.
0: <laughs>
4: okay. Yeah. Please make that be the intro. Please don't it Yes! <laughs> we could record
1: that separately. Yep. Can <laughs> um, well,
4: I make sure? I want to definitely hear from you, Archer, because you came last year, mm-hmm. which was my Hannah's Hannah's like, first year trying of it. trying this yeah. thing that neither of us have any qualifications for on paper, right. mm-hmm. but we're enthusiastic. And we try hard, mm-hmm. and you came and yeah. decided to get very involved and help plan this entire year and took on the workshops and have done such an amazing job making this year possible. So I've, I kind of want to hear your answer to this
3: question. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, Dear, and wh- wh- <sighs> what that goes into, like, workshop
3: planning, do mm-hmm. you Totally. Yeah, so I was an attendee last year. Like, I feel like I signed up not at the last minute, but like near-ish to the last minute that I could sign up to come. Like, I didn't really know much about it. I didn't even really, I kind of, I was like also farming at the time. And so like, wasn't super on my email and just like, it's like, yeah, there's this thing that's going to happen in Iowa. I'm going to go to it. Like, I'm taking a day off of work. It's going to be awesome. Um, and yeah, it was super awesome. And it was super amorphous last year, which like, I feel like, was absolutely what it needed to be, and, like, the people that showed up, like, totally created the space, um, we all got to have a ton of feelings and a ton of thoughts, and just, like, it felt like a really big moment of, like, wow, we can be queer and farm and be together, and just, like, we kind of all, like, melted into that for a weekend. Um, it also was raining, so, like, that helped with the melting process. (laughs) Um... Yeah, and I feel like just, like, sharing in that community was such a powerful thing, and I left being, like, this is infinite. Like, this could be anything that we want. Like, we could totally take, like, another amorphous route where, like, we do the unconference thing, and we show up and, like, don't know what we're gonna do, and or we could, like, try to do more, like, set things. Um... And I felt really excited about the idea of like a little bit more structure because I feel like that was kind of what people left being like, this would have been kind of nice. If like, maybe if we like had some workshops that we had decided on and like had time for skill shares that people were bringing in, like that were prepared. Um, And so like knowing that I was like, oh, like doing workshops could be a really exciting role because that was pretty directly asked for by people who were at the conference, and was something that I also felt really invested in personally. Um, yeah, so we just, like, put out a call to anyone who was interested with the theme of queerness and farming slash agriculture slash land-based whatever, um, and got back some, like, really exciting proposals for people who just, like, have visions in their head that are very varied, um, which makes sense because we're all coming from really different places with farming and with queerness um, and so ultimately it wasn't that difficult of a process because people already had these really exciting ideas that they were coming with um, so mostly just facilitating making sure that they were definitely committed because that was also an issue for last summers that people had said that they were going to bring things and then ended up not coming or not actually being prepared to do those things
5: or something it was from, it was from Jack from or yeah. mm-hmm. Um and I was like yeah that's kind of what I do for part of my job um, is like connecting people with and like figuring out who needs what and how to get that to them um, in terms of like grant management and project management um, and I like this fits well with the mission of my job and both personal wants so it was like a great opportunity to be able to answer people's emails and needs like when they would arise and not be restricted in that and be able to spend time helping um, and giving back um, and so what I ended up doing is connecting um, and taking on some of the um, travel and then sleeping arrangements so like tents and sleeping bag needs um, and keeping that like building on what um jack had done the year the first year and like some of the emails that were sent out and spreadsheets and things like that um and then the the really like cool yet challenging thing was that there are people coming from so many different directions and so many different states and i was like trying to wrap my mind around how to connect people for ride shares um when like you know not everyone was coming from wisconsin or minnesota or iowa um and so I, what I ended up doing is making a Google map of all the registr- registrants at the time um, from the cities that they said that they were in or coming from, um, and, and uploading that spreadsheet into um, a, a Google map and plotting people out by where, or they're kind of like geeky into it, like <laughs> visual representing in real life, um, and, and hearing their stories and everything. It's been great. And those connections. Are really priceless.
0: Um,
1: just do a quick energy check if anyone needs to duck out and go to sleep or like go talk to other people. Yeah, I just want
0: to okay,
1: <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can step out at any time. Um, Marlo, do you want to chat a
6: little bit? Sure.
1: Yeah. I. Um, so what are the questions that we've? What, what have we talked through so far? Um, we we asked your amazing question about the inner like how you view the intersection of um, farming and queerness. Is that your question, Hannah? Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> have you thought about that question much? And do you have a answer you'd like to share?
6: Yeah, I think for me, both things of queerness and farming uh, really come down to community building and the ways that we, or I think a lot about the ways that I show care. And farming for me is a lot about showing care to the land and myself and my community. Um, And I think the ways that I think about queerness is really similar um, in the ways that I show care for myself in fully, embracing identities and showing up really fully and also doing that the same for others and queering the ways that we're in. Um, and so I think those two things really intersect because the ways that we can show relationship in farming and in our relationship to land are also when you're looking at it through a queer framework can be really complicated and beautiful and really different than the ways in white heteropatriarchal american culture <laughs> we've thought about them um yeah
1: awesome um and then my other question was around like what your hope for the weekend is and or how you came to
6: become involved with
1: the organizing
6: really moved by the connections and the conversations that happened here in really spontaneous ways that was definitely the biggest highlight for me was those moments of being sparked by something and seeing that being sparked in other people and getting to converge around that and I felt really excited about the momentum that was built and it's obviously really hard when it a group is really spread out to continue that momentum past it. And so I got really excited about what it was building to and then it felt like it quieted down and people were really spread out and I really wanted to be involved in the re-energizing of that momentum um, and have felt that just the doubling in size and the ways that the word has gotten out and the ways that communities have really been built and also different queer gatherings have happened around the country, it feels like there's a lot of really exciting and energizing momentum in that. And so I feel really excited about the connections that will be built here this weekend and the ways that we've been able to structure this weekend really based on those intimate connections that can happen within a big group. And so I feel excited to hold their own momentum from this weekend. Um,
1: last question I'm going to ask tonight is about where you see the QFC in 10 years. <laughs> mm. Just, like, imagine. I don't know if you've, like, thought, thought that far ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, the way that you speak, Marlo, is great for editing purposes. So you're very slow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
6: Thinking about and my don't so use lot. filler language. <laughs> it's very intentional. I...
1: It's great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, okay. So when I think of the QFC in ten years, I have no idea. Um, but. Um, You know, there are are a bunch of thoughts that I've had about the QFC. Why, yeah, why are we doing this? Um, The need in 10 years might be very different. Certainly uh, in my life, it will probably be very different. Um, And, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, I I definitely noticed this thing earlier when we opened up registration being like, why is this happening in the summer? This shouldn't happen in the summer. It's, I can't go. <laughs> um, so, uh, thinking about like what what, what's something that's accessible to people who are who are stuck on farms um, is a is a question that I have. Um, but I love hosting events like this. It's so exciting to have so many people come to the farm, you know, and our our farm is not. Fancy in any way for hosting people, but we do have porta potties and we, we got a tent, and you know. Um, so uh,
6: yeah. Anyway, those are those are some thoughts. Cool. I've really liked imagining. Hannah has brought up a lot in our planning. The ways that this could spread out regionally especially because this year is a lot more geographically diverse than last year, and that can be really hard to be accessible. And I feel really excited thinking about the ways that this is gonna birth other projects throughout the country, and that those can be in dream and vision, but I feel really excited about the ways that this will just continue to build new queer communities so that people don't have to travel extensive distances to be in queer farming community
5: it would be really to make like a blueprint kind of thing of what's worked and what hasn't and not like as a this is how the qfc needs to be done um but like to enable that regional approach and um yeah i was talking with um, the, in one of our like smaller group activities this evening um, how I had wanted to bring a physical map of the United States and have folks pinpoint like their names so like not only it's on a computer screen but people could interact with each other and uh, a farmer was like I can draw that I was like, that would be great <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so like to connect those people and so like thinking about 10 years out, could the people that are here in the regions be the next leaders? Like, can we grow them to spread the movement? So I'm like, y- your question brought all these. Well, we could if we had these two people over here, and I know these two people over here. <laughs>
0: mm.
5: I mean, you could be the north, the northeast region. Um, we have a, a pretty solid, like southwest too. Mm. Um, yeah, meaning
1: like a guide for. An instructional guide for certain yeah, yeah. So TFCs. like, Yeah,
5: exactly. And I'm thinking, I printed out the zine from last year that was made, um, thanks to our university printers, <laughs> um, in color, which I think is fun, and watching some folks read through it uh, this evening. And so like, maybe a couple pages in the zine could be, like, hey, here's what the planning team did or something.
2: Totally. And... Uh, I have a book recommendation that I keep talking about whenever the QFC comes up because I read this book like a month before the first QFC and it totally like gave me, like empowered me to lead a really great gathering. The book is called um, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker and it's so good Um, and it tells you all about how to hold a gathering using generous authority. And all of this stuff and it's great so highly recommended listen to it or what's, watch it what's generous authority <laughs> for, um generous authority is like you make rules and you make you like tell people what to do um but your your hosting is for is is generous it's in service to the the people who are at the gathering it's mm-hmm. not for yourself So authority for yourself is no fun for anyone who comes to the gathering, Um, and yeah, and generosity without like authority Mm. and boundaries is also just too nebulous. So,
1: The question was around what does the QFC look like in ten years? Do you have a real answer? And popcorn and. And it's the last question mm-hmm. that I'm going to ask tonight.
3: <laughs> um, I'm thinking a lot about an intergenerational queer farming convergence that will be really possible in ten years after all of us have been going for ten consecutive years, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like there's a kid here this year, and that's so cool. And, like, in ten years, my kid will be here. And, like, imagining a space where, like, we get to collaborate around farming and around queerness and around the history of both of those things and how they've worked together in really specific moments in time because ten years will be a very different moment in time than it is now and I envision there still being a need for a queer farmer convergence in 10 years though I know it will look very different as farming will look different and climate will look different and queerness will look different um yeah and just having people of all different ages and experiences to collaborate is a really incredible thought
4: I would be really excited about there being a bunch of regional convergences and then having like a national queer farmer convergence that's really like a convergence of all these different groups and I think in 10 years I would love to be you know professor head of some center that can like fund this and facilitate this and really put the institutional backing honestly we need institutional I like how grassroots it is but to do something on a larger level that if we want to have like multiple breakout conferences and stuff to figure out where can we do that? How can we make it possible? How can we still have the support that Hannah wants and needs in this local Midwestern community and have some larger like, gosh, international. I have Aussie mm-hmm. farmer, queer farmer friends. Like I, I want that. I want that like mm. really big thing too. Cause gosh, how many, like, farmer conferences do we go to? And it's just the same people and the same stuff and nothing changed. Like, I just really want to have the conference that we all want.
1: Speaking from experience, winter can be an isolating time for farmers. Without the daily grind of farm chores, our minds wander and start looking for more. If you're a queer farmer looking for community, here are a couple opportunities. Join the Queer Farmer Network Google Group by emailing one of the moderators at humblehandsharvest, all one word, at gmail.com or Whipler at gmail.com. That's spelled out J-A-C-L-Y-N dot W-Y-P-L-E-R at gmail.com. If you're planning to attend Moses 2020, the Midwest Organic Farming Conference, Come socialize with other queer farmers this coming Friday, February 28th from 7 to 8 p.m. in Room H. Find Queers in the Field at Moses 2020 on Facebook to RSVP. And for you East Coasters, on February 29th, Out in the Open in Brattleboro, Vermont, is co-hosting with other farmers from Vermont and Massachusetts, the next Northeast Queer Farmer Alliance gathering from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Check out Out in the Open's Facebook page for more details. Lastly, the Queer Farmer Convergence is on again this year. Join us at Humble Hands Harvest September 5th through the 7th, 2020. Stay tuned to Convergence website, humblehandsharvest.com slash queer hyphen farmer hyphen convergence for details on how to get signed up. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Land Stewardship Project members. Please help support this work and join LSP with a financial contribution that feels generous to you. Visit LandStewardshipProject.org to learn more.